Hey, I'm going to ask if everyone who's not serving in some way, if you could return to your seat. I'm, I'm going to be doing part two of the um, message I did the last time. This is Buried Treasure, part two. And I'm going to be speaking about the story of Jonah. You know the story of Jonah and the whale? Well, before the service, I was walking around the back, and someone came up to me, who I didn't know, and she says, what are you, you going to be ministering on today? I said, well, I'm going to be talking about the story of Jonah and the whale. She said, the story of Jonah and the whale? I, I don't believe that story. It's impossible for a man to live three days in the belly of a whale. She said, that's impossible. I don't believe that story. And I don't think it's possible. And I don't even believe the Bible, she said. So, so I thought for a minute. And then, she, and then she asked me, well, how is that possible? I said, I don't know how it's possible, but one day... When I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to ask Jonah myself. She says, well, what if Jonah went to hell? I said, then you ask him. <laughs> well, I hope that person's not offended, uh, Pastor Mark. <laughs> I just got a message from Pastor George. The secret of a good sermon is to have a good beginning and a good ending and to have the two as close together as possible. So I guess he's sending me a hint over here. So last time I spoke about a story called the parable of the miners. Now the parable of the miners tells a symbolic story. And I don't, I'm not going to go into all the symbolism. If you, if you want to know that, you can watch the uh, message from the last time. Hey, I'm going to ask David in the sound booth. Is it on Netflix yet, that sermon? <laughs> Let, let's have a big hand for the sound people led, led by my good friend David, a.k.a. DJ Diesel. So the parable of the miners tells a symbolic story of how Jesus invests in each one of us as Christians. He invests in us talents, resources, time. And in that parable, each one got one miner. Every one of us gets an equal amount. Every one of us has the same opportunity, the same chance. You all got the same Holy Spirit. You all have the same promise. You all have the same word of God. But in Matthew 25, verse 14, it talks about another parable that's almost identical called the parable of the talents. So I'm going to read from Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So in the parable of the miners, it says we all got the same thing. But in the parable of the talents, it says, yes, we all have the same opportunity, the same God, the same spirit. But God entrusts in us differently. We all have different callings and responsibilities according to our ability. God's not going to call you to do more than what you can handle. See, God came to Pastor Pastor George and says, I'm going to give you over the years thousands of people, and you're going to have the responsibility to shepherd them and speak into them. To someone else, God says, go to the back of the church and stand by the door and be faithful and greet people. You're rewarded by God, not according to the bigness of what you're called to do, but by the faithfulness. God will never ask you to do something you can't handle. He won't give you a job that's too big for you. He won't ask you to do a ministry that you're not qualified for. And that's where I want to come to the story of Jonah. Because Jonah got a big assignment. So I'm going to read from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. See, God had a plan to use Jonah, and he called him to go to the city of Nineveh to turn the whole city around, to preach to them, to, to tell them of their wickedness. Just as every one of us has an assignment or a purpose to touch people for God. Maybe it's a church or a ministry. Others of you, maybe your assignment is to be a teacher and and affect the school system to touch the lives of families. Some of you through art and music, but every one of you have an assignment. Psalm 139.16, you saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God, even before you were born, planned out for you assignments, responsibilities, so that you can accomplish great things on this earth for God. You have a purpose. But here I'm going to, I'm going to go down now to Jonah verse, chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish and flee from the people. Jonah hated the assignment that God gave him. God told him, go to Nineveh. Jonah lived in Israel. He was Jewish. Nineveh, which is in modern-day Iraq, 
were the deadly sworn enemies of Israel and the Jewish people. So Jonah said, I don't want to go. I don't love those people. I want those people to burn. And Jonah knew that God is so merciful, that God is so compassionate. He just knew that if he went there, and he preached to them, as wicked as they were, that, they, that God would forgive them if they repented and turned to him. See, the scripture says where there's greater sin, there's greater grace. I see so many people on Facebook, these prophetic words pronouncing over America, over New York City. Oh, do you see the greatness of sin? God is angry. He's about to destroy it. And every time a storm hits or there's a terrorist attack, you hear all these hate, all these haters. Oh, you see, they got what they deserve. God was angry. That's not the message of the word. The message of the word where there's greater sin, there's more love available, more grace, more mercy from heaven. You see, we've, a lot of times we emphasize the love of God and the grace of God. But that's not just for you. If you receive grace, it's your job to give it away. We can't receive grace and not release it to even those who are the hardest to love. Grace is not selfish. We weigh people differently than when we weigh ourselves. We, we want judgment against other people who do the same things we do. We weigh someone else's sons and daughters differently than our own. It's our job to, to show mercy, to have the heart of the Father. Not, not to wish judgment and burning to come. Even on the most wicked. That's, that's the heart of God. That's your assignment. Even to, to the hardest-hearted people, the biggest God-haters that you can imagine. I used to be one of them. Anyone else here? I wouldn't be standing here right now. I, I used to curse God. I used to tell Christians, those people, they're just after your money. Stay away but they love me enough to keep, on, to keep on preaching and to keep on sharing, and that's why I could stand here in this pulpit and, and preach the word. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, it's, Paul the apostle wrote that God demonstrated his love for sinners that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He knew about the times you would turn against him. He knew the times when you didn't care about him. And he loved you so much that he still died for you. In Matthew 23, Jesus wept over those who wouldn't come to him in Jerusalem. And John 3.16 says that God loved the sinful world so much that, that he gave his only son. In, in Luke 6, it says, love your enemies and do good to them 
so that you'll have the same heart and compassion as your heavenly father. See, but Jonah didn't understand that. These pe- I hate those people. I don't want to go. And for some, some other people, it might not be that dramatic. Maybe God's calling you to work with the teenagers. Teenagers? I ain't working with those teenagers. I can't work with kids. They, run, they don't listen. They run all over the place. You're the, if that's how you feel, you're the one God's calling to work with them. That's, a, that's the sign right there. You see, at the end of the story, I'm going to skip to the end, Jonah finally did what God called him to do, but Jonah got bitter and angry because God forgave them. So before that happened, Jonah rebelled against God, and he got on a boat, and he took it the exact opposite direction. He, got a, he went to Tarsus. He says, I'm running from God. God's calling me to preach. I'm not going to preach, not to those people. He got on a boat and headed the exact opposite direction. And so many times, many of us can run from the call. I've known hundreds of people as a pastor through the years. I saw the greatness. I saw the calling. I saw the destiny. But so many people run. They don't have to run out the door of the church. There's another way you could do it. This way makes you feel a lot better. I'll do it tomorrow. I know I'm called to work and help out with the kids, but after I get my everything in order in my life, then I'll work with the kids. I know God's asking me to, to begin to be faithful with my finances, but one day when I get a new job, you see, that, that, you don't have to run from God. All we got to do is say, we'll do it tomorrow. I know I'm being called to preach the gospel. I'm not ready yet. I'm going to pray about it. Ten years, twenty years go by. Oh, but one day when I get married, I'll do it with my husband. One day when my finances are in order, then I can serve God. And years can go by and you never live out what God has for you, the calling, the destiny on your life. God has great things for you to change this world, to turn it upside down. And it's always easy to make that excuse. Tomorrow, one day, one day I'll use my teaching gifts. Well, Jonah didn't even do that. He got in the boat, he took off, but you know what? You can't run from God. How many of you have found that out? See, I found that out a few times in my life. You try to run, he'll drop everything, he'll leave the 99 and go after you. But look how he got after Jonah. This might not be the way you want God to come after you. Jonah chapter 1 verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. 
Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. God, did, God didn't just tell Joan, oh, I just love you, just come back. He threw a storm. And that storm started to affect other people. What he, a storm, I thought God is love. Maybe you misunderstand the love of God. Sometimes in the Bible, in the love of God, you had Paul running against God's purposes and he knocked him right off his horse. One time Jacob was coming against what God wanted him to do, the right attitude, and God came down and wrestled and fought with him all night. See, that sometimes the love of God looks like a storm to keep you from running in the direction that can ruin your life. And what happened? They threw Jonah off the boat. Jonah told them, hurl me off the boat. And when they did that, the storm stopped. You know what that tells me? Sometimes in your life you got some Jonas causing storms and you need to throw them off your boat. See, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. Sometimes you've got people in your life that are haters, abusers, people holding you back. I, I, put, I put a quote on Facebook this week by one of the great theological thinkers of our time, Steve Harvey. <laughs> and he said, don't tell big dreams to small-minded people. There are, sometimes there are people that are going to drag you down with them. Their life is a constant storm, and they refuse to turn. And if you keep connected, the one storm after another is going to hit you, and God wants you to live in the blessings. Now, I'm not talking about your husband or wife that you made a lifetime commitment to. Don't play that here. Oh, well, well Pastor Gary said it's okay to get divorced. Oh, no. Or maybe you had some skirmishes with church people, some disagreements. The scripture says iron sharpens iron. Some things you've got to work out. I'm talking about people who will shipwreck your future. Boyfriends who do not respect you as a woman of God. And you know what they'll usually do? They'll usually, those guys will come to church with you in the beginning, but you can always tell because when you don't go, they don't go. And this is just an aside, but there's something really bothers me in the culture. I see people who are not married where, where you'll have a man talking about his girlfriend. He's telling, oh, that's my wife. That's not your wife if you didn't put a ring on a finger and commit the rest of your life to her. 
Don't let anybody say, call you their wife if they're not willing to lay down everything for you. I, I see kids say, point, oh, that's my stepfather there. Just, it turns out to be their, their mother's boyfriend who, who will run at the first opportunity. You see, there, there's people that can destroy you when God wants to give you his best. Too many times we just keep riding through the storms when we need to get rid of a Jonah. So some of you, you make a decision right now that you're going to throw Jonah off your boat that person that's holding you back, and you keep trying to convince yourself, oh, but one day they're going to change. Let them change, and then you hook up with them. I, I hear, there's a stuff I hear. I heard somebody telling people that it's okay if you're a Christian and you date non-Christians because my, my father married a non-Christian 30 years ago and it all worked out. Yes, one out of 100 times it could work out and the other 99 times, as soon as you get married, you'll hear right away. Do you have to go to church every Sunday? Do you have to keep playing that stupid worship music every day? I've seen many more people lose their faith that way than, than I have where it worked out. The safe thing is to follow the word of God. So, so they hurled Jonah into the sea, and the, the storm stopped, and Jonah ended up getting eaten by a big fish or a whale. We don't know if it was a whale or a big fish. Why? Because there are no whales in that part of the world. Even though one appeared about seven years ago in Israel, that they have no idea. You could see it on YouTube. They have no idea how it got there. But, but there's, there's no whales within hundreds of miles. But see, the whale was the mercy of God. The, the whale came and swallowed Jonah. And even as he laid in the belly of the whale, surrounded by fish and seaweed, he still wouldn't turn to God until three days came, and finally he submitted his will to the Lord. You know what that shows me? Sometimes we got to hit rock bottom. Sometimes God will allow you to reach the bottom, to get to fall to a place where you can't fall anymore, because for some of us that's what it takes. 
You know, sometimes people come to me at the altar, people living in rebellion against God. They're ruining their marriage. They're messing up. They come to me, oh, can you just pray God's blessing over me? I say, I'm not playing, praying no blessing over you. I'm going to pray you get swallowed by a big fish. You see, we think of love as, again, as being this warm, fuzzy thing where no matter what, no matter what you do, it's okay. You can live however you want. You can treat me how you want. I'll just tolerate it. You want to throw your money away on drugs, I'll just give you more. See, sometimes love in the Bible is tough. Sometimes love looks like a storm. Sometimes it looks like the inside of a fish. Don't confuse it. Sometimes you got to put boundaries on people who are hurting you. Love doesn't mean you could treat me any way that you want and I have to tolerate it because I'm a Christian. Or I got to keep bailing you out of jail. Sometimes it's love to, to let that person sit there in the cell. I, I've had to watch mothers with, with children who kept getting arrested and counsel them. No, but you, love doesn't mean you bail them out every time. Sometimes love means they got to hit the bottom like Jonah. And finally, after the three days, Jonah turned to God, and the fish spit him out. You see, that goes to show you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> and after that comes one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It says, God came to Jonah a second time. Do you see the love of God? He ran from God. He almost caused all these people to drown. He was in rebellion. He, re he fought with God. He's laid there in the fish. He argued with God. And after all that, God came to him in a second time. He said, I'm going to show you my grace. I'm going to show you love. See, maybe some of you are like Jonah. Maybe you've buried your treasures too. Maybe some of you, you've run from the calling. Well, God is coming to you a second time. See, he's the God of second and third and fourth chances. That's the God that we serve, a God of restoration and endless, unconditional love that will not let you go. You could be sitting there right now with, with a hard heart, not caring about one word I'm saying, but God is pulling at you. He's pulling at your heart. He won't give up on you. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how far you've walked away from his purposes, his arms are wide open. See, that's the gospel right there. 
The gospel message isn't God's angry and he's going to out to get you. The gospel message is he loves you so much he'll do whatever it takes. He's going to come after you. He'll go to the bottom of the ocean to meet you. He'll meet you in the, in the belly of a whale. The God of all the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, loved Jonah so much. He, he was willing to meet him in the belly of a fish. How much more would, as, as followers and lovers of his son will he bring restoration to your life when you turn to him? Maybe there are things God's asked you to do and you've run or you've put it off. Maybe even God's been asking you to read the Bible and pray and you say, one day, one day when I get time, when my kids grow up and get old enough, they won't be a distraction, I'll read the Bible then. And you know what happens? There'll be more distraction. Now, today, the Bible says, is the day to follow God, to trust him. And his mercy is here. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. If you can relate to what I said, if you're saying, God, maybe I run from your purpose, maybe I've been putting it off, but I'm coming back to you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. See, this has been me many times in my life. And if you raise your hand and if you want to, I'm going to ask you to come forward because Pastor Melissa is going to sing up the prophetic song of restoration over you. So if your hand is raised, would you just join me over here? There's mercy for you today. The old, old song says, though millions have come, there's still room for one more. And I, I don't want any of these people standing alone. So those who in the past I've asked you to pray, I'm going to ask you to come just to come and put a hand on, on one of these people. That requires getting up out of your seat.
some of the deacons can also come and help me out. You don't have to do anything. I'm just going to ask you just to put a hand on someone. brothers and sisters standing here, Father. I stand with them and say, God, I need you. Forgive me. Help me in my situation. I ask you, oh God, to renew hope where hope has been lost, to restore joy where joy has been lost. I ask you, oh God, to give courage, Lord, to change habits. Courage, oh Lord, that strongholds in their lives would be broken. I pray, oh God, that they would not be afraid of tomorrow because you are there tomorrow. So God, I ask you, Lord, to do the impossible for them, to do what seems hard, to do what seems like it's just inconceivable. Father, that you could restore. But Father, today as a congregation, we declare restoration. We declare healing over their homes, over their bodies, over their relationships, oh God. We declare the word of the Lord, God. We know that you can do it again because you've done it time and time again, Lord. And you are no respecter of person. So right now we speak love into every relationship. We speak healing into every broken body. We speak hope, Lord, where they have felt destitute and barren and alone, oh God. 
Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. You know, I'm just going to begin to ask all of you, just in your own way, just begin to cry out to God. Just begin to ask him to change you. Just begin to ask him to move in your situation and in what you're going through. Because you may not feel able, but he is able. Yes. Amen. So just receive right now the gentle love of your heavenly father. He's telling you, you are forgiven. Yes. Doesn't matter how far you've run. Will you receive the grace of a loving father right now? So I'm, I'm going to ask, just begin to pray over those at, at the altar. Just begin to release the love and restoration of, of the heavenly father over them.
is your blood that has set us free, that has redeemed us, oh God, that has brought us back, Lord. And the power, never losing its power, oh God. Father, there's something that you do when you capture the heart of your people, Lord. Father, that we can't run from it, we can't hide from it, oh God. But when there's a calling on our life, Father, no matter how we try to get away from it, you continue to bring us and woo us back to you, oh God. Father, when you have your hand on your people, oh God, we can't deny it. We can't deny you. Your love is magnetic, oh God, and it keeps drawing us back to you, back to you, Lord. Even in a broken state, you love us still, oh God. And it is your desire, Lord, that no one should perish, oh God. And you've made a way, you've made a way through the cross of Calvary, oh God. You've made a way, oh God, for us. So, Lord, we turn back to you. We step into obedience, oh God. We hear your voice. We know your word. We know your calling, oh God. Send us out, Lord. We don't want to be swallowed up by a well or the circumstances of this life, oh God. Until we finally figured out that in your will, we are whole, oh God. Our desire is to be in your will, in your presence. You are blessed. Come on now, be a blessing. Have a wonderful week.